folks to another episode of That Need Alive, the talk show dedicated to providing emotional healing to help you create a happier life. This week, I'm joined by two therapists located in the D.C. area to discuss talk therapy and emotional disabilities. Cynthia, last name, Adjman Anane. Y'all know I was going to mess that up. <laughs> is a clinical and certified psychotherapist and the founder of Conversations Create Change. She has almost 15 years of experience in the fields of social work and mental health. She is passionate about therapy and believes regular talk therapy can be a way to live an authentic and meaningful life. And we have Kenya Murphy of KG Murphy Counseling. Kenya is a licensed clinical social worker who believes that every day is a chance to do better. She has over 20 years of experience in special education and working with children with emotional disabilities. Welcome psychotherapists and Licensed clinical social workers to the show. Hi, Anita. Thank Hi, you. ladies. Thanks for having us. So, conversations create change. Yes. Tell me, define talk therapy for us. Let's frame it first. Sure. So, talk therapy is a way that you um, encourage others to, to, to create self-care. Okay. So, we go to the doctors. We get our nails done. We go to the gym. Um, I think for me, it was important to encourage people right to add talk therapy as a way to increase help um, their self-care so you can you go to the therapist you talk about um, what's going on in your life current past anything that's going on okay. I want to encourage people to just come and talk right the whole idea of talk all about it so when really people does. talk to their good good girlfriends is that talk therapy so no it's not talk therapy okay. because the skills that I bring mm -hmm. into the therapy mm -hmm. session is very very different from what <laughs> a girlfriend may bring, right? They yes, have very much so. But we definitely have the training, um, the professional background to delve into issues, to take you into places that a, a girlfriend may not be necessarily ready and to do And it's unbiased. That. I think at the end of the exactly. day, when you're meeting with your girlfriends, mm -hmm. we all have our biases. Mm -hmm. So therefore, some of the conversations may not go the direction that you would want it to go, especially in a therapeutic environment. Right. Right. Can kids cuss? Is that talk therapy? Can kids cuss? Yeah. Of course they can. They can. So one of the um, interesting should, should things. Should parents let kids cuss when so they're venting? The, yeah, let's, yes. it's, let me see what your perspective is I would on say this. yes, it okay. is. So I actually enjoy when kids, um, parents bring their other uh, mm -hmm. kids into therapy mm -hmm. and the kids will be bouncing up and down or doing, you know, doing them um, or cussing or saying things that mm -hmm. the mom mm -hmm. or dad would be like, no, 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 don't, don't say it. Mind your language. Mind your language. And I'd be like, no, it's okay. <laughs> right? Right. Because we want to allow kids to be free and we want to engage, we want to uh, build rapport and build rapport and just allowing kids to be themselves in sessions. So I think I allow kids to be themselves appropriately unless it's not safe, safety issues, of course, you need to yeah. clamp it down. But I think in, a, in, a, in the context, I think it's appropriate. <laughs> now she has teenagers and so that might be different. So my perspective is, um, we know that kids are a product of their environment. Mm -hmm. So if a child is in session cursing and mom or dad is looking like, shh, don't say that. I don't okay. know where they picked that up from. I'm then going to reframe and go back to the parent. So yeah. where are they? Is Get there an adult from. in the home that curse? Mm -hmm. Because we can't expect them not to do what they're around 24-7. However, there's a time and place for everything. Mm -hmm. So from my perspective, mm -hmm. cousin is not appropriate. <laughs> Context is important in which so they're doing So we that. want them to understand that they, you know, in society there's a time and place for everything. So at some point it will be appropriate to have a 
you know, if, if that's okay with the parents. Okay. But it's not. We, we don't want them going to school cursing. Oh, okay, no, no, and, no. You know, <laughs> because that's <laughs> what happens, <laughs> right? This is my question. Yeah. It's everywhere. Right. right. They, kids have no place to be kids mm -hmm. these right. days. So where does that line now fall? Mm -hmm. Is it still in code switching where kids have to learn these are places where you can and these are places where you can't? Or because there are preachers that cuss during sermons. Mm -hmm. It's in commercials. Mm -hmm. It's in all of the music. Right. Doesn't matter. Yes. Country, jazz. Yes. It, it, it's in all of the music. For How sure. do parents raise kids today? without them cussing? So, I mean, I think it, it, it's context, right? So mm -hmm. you have to, it's, every experience is a teachable moment. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, like Kenya was saying, you have to teach the kid, there's a time and a place for everything. So if you're at work, okay. right, something happens, you can get angry, right? <laughs> but you're not gonna necessarily cuss out your boss because yeah. the next day you might not have a job. Take your so, kids to work day and your child goes in and says, my mom says you're a... Exactly. Right. <laughs> Exactly. So <laughs> teachable moments, right? Teachable right. moments, right? So I think the, the, um, you have to allow kids to be kids, but okay. then also you have to parents have to to teach their kids, okay. right and they have from to be accountable. I think at the end of the day, most of my kids, especially when you're coming in at five, I have five year olds who coming in and they're mm. cussing out aunts and uncles, mm -hmm. and mm. and then mama saying, well, "I don't know why, <laughs> I don't know why, where he's getting this from." Okay. Okay, so now we have the process of, are we being supervised? Mm -hmm. And what are we allowed to listen to? Um, one of my parents said, well, he's not allowed to watch. I just figured out YouTube has a kid's version because they would go on YouTube and think that they're just listening to Sonic or whatever the, and then come back later. And you know, if you do the autoplay, right. it moves on to <laughs> these other things, songs yeah. that are explicit. Yeah. So being able to bring parents in and kind of talk about monitoring, supervising, and having dialogues, what's another way to express that you're upset? I have a student who says fork instead of the other word. I can accept fork. Okay, okay. So I guess it's just an appropriate way of <laughs> expressing and emoting anger and frustration Man, without. How can talk therapy help with this, the recent development of stressor that we have? especially here in the D.C. area, connected to our leader mm -hmm. in charge. Mm -hmm. They understand that there is an exact term for the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. How does talk therapy help with, uh, is it Trump stress? Is it Trump-induced stress? <laughs> is it, I mean, what, what, what are we calling it these days? I mean, it, it just all depends on who you are, because some people are clearly not as Stress about it. Stress about it, right. and right. some right. other people are. So mm -hmm. I think it's um, whoever comes is okay. what you're dealing with. For some people, right. yeah, this is great because my taxes, right? All right. Um, but I, I, it, it, but it, for the people that do have it as a stressor, how does talk therapy help them? So it allows for me, mm -hmm. when, when clients that have come in mm -hmm. talking about how um, different policies in the workplace is impacting their ability to move up uh, or get, get more money uh -huh. for uh -huh. salaries and that sort of thing. So just kind of helping them to understand how can you take this current situation and what can you do to either advocate for yourself or advocate for things that you can within the context that, because right. you can't change certain things, right? Mm -hmm. But you can definitely advocate for yourself in ways that um, allows you to think you can move up in your job or you can 
get a, a better salary or something like that. Okay. And yeah. now see with the students, especially when you have the students who have ESL. Mm -hmm. um, English as a second language. Yes. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Second as a um, She's smart, y'all. This administration. <laughs> but I hang out with them, so mm -hmm. she knows her lingo. This administration has brought a lot of stress in the students. You oh. see a lot more students are concerned about mm -hmm. whether or not they're going to be deported or whether or not a family member has recently been deported. Um, so close to home, my daughter has a best friend who was born here, has been educated here. The whole life, the family's kind of been working towards this one to go off to college, but her parents are not documented. Mm. So now everything that they've worked so hard towards could fall apart at any point. So talk therapy is key in coming up with, let's come up with a plan, right. you know, um, and not to talk, go into the next guess, uh -huh. but being <laughs> able to kind of come up with safety plans. What's going to be a plan if something like this does yeah. happen? And helping them recognize in this moment right here, right now, looking at what you're grateful for, being able to be in the moment, not anticipating what could happen next week, because we ought to be mindful of where we are today. So I think some so. part two, you know, some, some clients come in and they do want to talk about the stressors of what's going on with Trump and Trumpism and all the stuff that goes on with him. Um, but I think for us it's just allowing them a place to vent and safe. process through, mm -hmm. a safe place to vent and process through some of the stressors that are going on because I mean, I think we feel it too, <laughs> but we can't necessarily, you right. know, emote, emote it, but we can definitely be available and allow talk therapy to be, to be a place where you can come and just vent through so all what, the things So what made you go into the therapy? You know what, I think for me, um, I remember in third or fourth grade, I remember one of my teachers actually was telling me about, I know, so wrong, right? <laughs> was sharing about me something that happened to them and, and him and his wife, right? And I specifically remember that moment. I'm like, wow, if my teacher was talking to me about something that was going on mm -hmm. in his uh -huh. life, maybe I do have something going on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I don't know, maybe I've always been a good listener. <laughs> but no, I do, I do, I, I do, um, I enjoy talking, I enjoy helping people. I actually wanted to be a lawyer, but mm. um, I felt like I could have more of an impact on a one-to-one. -one, so um, when you got to college, level. what were your first major? Political science. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Political science. How did you switch? Um, I switched because of just that whole idea of this is, I, I felt like I could make more of an impact okay. on one-on-one. Um, -on -one. Drawing more to purpose. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for Can sure. <laughs> My first uh, major was business. So I was going to be an accountant. Oh, not by choice, but by circumstance. Because growing up in New York, I'm from the Bronx. <laughs> um, growing up in New York, I understood money made a difference, you know what I mean? Although I was the, the niece, the cousin that everybody came to and talked about their issues. Mm -hmm. I, it was so bad that I had an aunt who used to come to me and say, you need to get her together. That's your child, right? <laughs> <laughs> so when I went off to college, it was more about, okay, how can I make money? And so I wanted to be an accountant. Didn't really like the classes <laughs> as I was going through them. Mm -hmm. And I took one psychology class, and that kind of just opened the door. I was like, oh, this is more me. This is me. This is me. I get A's in these. Okay, yes. That helps too, right? You know, economics, I'm like cutting by, you know, a C, you know. But this sounds like me. So that's kind of what, and it was funny because 
when I said I wanted to be a social worker, I wanted to major. Everybody was like, you're going to do income maintenance? You're going to mm -hmm. give out Medicaid? Yeah. You're going to do welfare? And I was like, no, there's so much more to this profession. Yeah, for sure. So I was pretty much the um, person who explained to everybody else what social workers were capable of. Okay. Yeah. And with that, we'll be right back with the psychotherapist and the licensed clinical social workers to learn more about how they can help make your life happier. What if I told you that you could stop the negative tape from playing inside your head? What if, with seven simple steps, you could leave the pain of the past behind and live every day as your true, authentic self? It is possible. And you can do it. The ebook, Seven Simple Steps to Beat Emotional Baggage How to Become Whole, Healed, Healthy, and Happy, shares how to resolve emotional baggage. And feel free to live true to your own personality, spirit, and character. Transform negative thinking into positive thinking and become equipped to boldly face your past and resolve emotional pain. Get your free copy at thatanitalive.com slash ebook. And we're back with the psychotherapist and the licensed clinical social worker. <laughs> we covered a few hot topics in the first segment, so we'll start off, we'll kick off the second segment with access. Okay. For instance, I know, you're, Kenya, you're in the schools, right? Yes. With emotionally disturbed kids. Yes. How do kids get identified to even get to you in the schools? In order to get to my school, which is a level five, you have had to bomb out pretty Regular much schools, yeah. every school placement. So by the time really? kids get to me, they've been kicked out of every other school. So now, whether they're in D.C. or Calvert County, their county is paying for them to attend a school like mine. Really? So they have oh, an IEP. Five. So yes, it's a level five placement. They have an IEP that says they have to get counseling. <laughs> in order to be successful in school. So the school setting is pretty much, um, when you get to me, you, you pretty much have no chance of returning until you show there's some success here. Wow. And so before that, I used to work at a regular public school, and so we were based within the school. Mm -hmm. um, and the same thing, kids are not necessarily, they have ED, but it's more of a lower spectrum. Okay. Um, so they're on like the tier three behavior, academic issues, um, mm -hmm. and so they do either weekly sessions and with a therapist, working on um, attention issues, focus issues, um, other trauma issues. Right. Like, so okay. if they didn't That's make it in her if they didn't make it to my if program, they didn't make it in level three, right. they well, go then they go to, to the next four, school, and then, and then they go to a level five, and if they can't make it at my school, then you end up residential. in residential or criminal justice system. Yeah. So what are some of the good grief? It's because your services are applied so late in the process. What are some of the signs, symptoms? What are some of the things that parents can like identify mm -hmm. early or, on? Right, early on. So one of the things that I think um, parents are remiss at is the little Johnny who's so cute at five years old, who's running around rambunctious, knocking stuff over, kicking people, mm -hmm. biting people, cursing out people. He's so cute. He's so cute. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not so cute. Yeah. Mm -mm. So Johnny gets to do this maybe in kindergarten. 
he might make it to first grade. Right. Then he gets to second okay. grade. Teacher no longer has the patience for Johnny, who's running around the hallways, right. who's cussing and they no out. longer have teacher's assistant, so now the teacher is in the class usually by themselves. <laughs> so they can't right. handle Johnny. Right. Yeah. And so and the older they get, the more structure there is to the classroom. Exactly. exactly. And the more academic challenges that... And so because Johnny's been running around, he's mm -hmm. been missing the lessons. Mm -hmm. So by the time the work gets a little more strenuous, mm -hmm. behavior. the behavior accelerates because now I don't know the mm -hmm. stuff that I should have learned in kindergarten, right. first grade, because I've been out of the classroom or I've been in a timeout or mm -hmm. I've been absent. So I'm not getting the um, academics that I need. So it's twofold. So now I'm a behavior problem because academically, I don't understand the information. Right. So how can a parent tell like a terrible two mm -hmm. from a child with ED. A terrible two is going to continue at some point no longer be a terrible two. <laughs> right? right? A terrible two is stages, supposed to be right? a stage. Mm -hmm. Developmentally, we expect that a two-year-old is going to say no. They're going to have a tantrum. Mm -hmm. They're not going to want to eat broccoli. You know? Mm -hmm. But then when we're three and four and we're still throwing tantrums, and we're not able to be able to pull ourselves back together after mm -hmm. a nap or mm. being sent to a room for a little while, mm -hmm. then we're no longer a terrible two. Now and it's we, happening consistently at right. home, at school, at church, at the grocery right. store. You have parents who won't go out because they're embarrassed right. because they can't. Party right where you pitched that tent <laughs> is where Aunt Anita is going to have the circus. <laughs> you pull up. What? Okay. Yes, yes. So let's. Excess. But, okay, go ahead. How do the parents, let's say I have realized mm -hmm. that my now three-year-old, mm -hmm. four-year-old, still not in school, has some issues. I'm not quite sure what it is, but I want help figuring out what that is. What are some of the ways they can access services? So I know in um, D.C. they have early stages mm -hmm. um, where they can do assessments, um, okay. behavioral, um, academic assessments. So parents actually have to go out and seek out the services if they're not attached to a school, um, or you can talk to your pediatrician, your pediatrician. obviously would be the mm -hmm. first. Your um, first, yeah. yeah. I would think like your first gateway. gateway is your pediatrician. Yeah. Um, and then from the pediatrician, like in Prince George's County, they have something called Child Find. You can go through Child Find to help you find um, services or providers that may be able to work with the type of behavior that we're talking okay. about. And I think in, in DC they have some, the they have the early stages yeah. program. So. The Depending on where you are. Right. So pediatrician is first. Mm -hmm. um, then you have parents who are student. There are some parents who are students that this just doesn't look like, this doesn't yeah. look normal to me. <laughs> you know? But I think, though, what you were saying, Antonita will step in and pitch, pitch a tent. Sometimes, right, when you know that that is no longer working, <laughs> that's when you need to mm -hmm. reach out to the pediatrician so that you can do, follow the next steps and do the things that you need to do. Because... We all know sometimes in our culture, right, there is this, oh, no, they the just stigma. need to, there is a stigma mm -hmm. with, I mm -hmm. don't want my child to be diagnosed with certain diagnoses, but sometimes you do, you do need that in order to get the medical you know, Sometimes the parents can use the diagnosis as an excuse. Mm -hmm. Because I know a child that is autistic, mm -hmm. and she punches her mother, she mm -hmm. slaps her mother, mm -hmm. and the mother says, oh, you know, she's autistic, I can't discipline her. Yeah. I said, well, I play with her all the time. She's never hitting me. Mm -hmm. And then one day we were at her grandmother's house, her mom's mother. And I said, Grandma, may I ask you a question? She said, sure, baby, what? 
I said, um, has a grandbaby ever punched you? And she looked at me like, I should slap you for even asking. <laughs> <laughs> that child would hit me. So yeah. sometimes the parent yeah. takes on. But that's what we talked about earlier. Remember okay. I said being able to go back and look at the parents and, and kind of challenge what are, your, what are you doing? You know what I mean? What are, what are the systems that you have in place? Mm -hmm. Is there structure at home with you? Okay. Are you letting them run around and do whatever? Right. And then you okay. send them to school and hope that the teachers and the staff at school can control it. I don't know. Head. She'll figure it out. <laughs> right. But right. this is also where, like, talk therapy can come in to okay. kind of support the, because the, it is a transition, right? Mm -hmm. Once you get the diagnoses, mm -hmm. you don't know what to do. You don't know how to deal with mm -hmm. it. Um, so I think talking to someone outside of the home okay. does help to explain this is what you need to look out for. This is how you deal with a child with autism or a child with ADHD. Mm -hmm. There are techniques that you can use so that your and child not is not every hitting. autistic child is going to be the same. Exactly, yeah. and so, so just kind of teaching you that difference is helpful. What is the toughest case that you've dealt with so far? Um, I think for me, it's um, a fifth grader um, last year, um, and I think it was difficult because you could have seen how her experiences would have been different if she would have received the, the supports and services earlier, earlier mm. right? And so kind of seeing how she's now transitioning into middle school and she's still not ready academically, behaviorally, she's just not ready. And so I think that for me as a mother, because mm -hmm. I have a two and a half year old and a six year old, um, and knowing how involved I am, I think when we do those work, we have different lenses, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so I think for me, that that most recently that's been really difficult, just being that I wish she would have had the supports earlier. The, the mm. father, mother would have had the supports earlier to kind of make the difference. I'm thinking because <laughs> you you know, in the moment, mm -hmm. it's who I'm working with right now. You know what I mean? I'm thinking okay. of a kid that I'm working with right now who has a severe trauma history, um, mm. whose parents, mom was drug addicted, pretty much abandoned him. Dad is um, um, moderately delayed, um, and this kid is bounced from foster home to foster home, mm -hmm. and in between that time had some sexual trauma. Mm -hmm. So I'm getting them now and trying to break through all of the stigmas, all of the secrets that he's been taught mm -hmm. to kind of get to, just so we can get him to sit in the classroom and actually mm -hmm. learn. Um, and this is a physically aggressive kid as well. So teaching st the people who interact with him not to go hands-on, mm -hmm. but to try and give him an opportunity to create, you know, signals, words that he can respond to to help him de-escalate so I that we can so. get to what's really going on. Okay, so I didn't do this in the beginning, but can you give us a framework? Tell us what ED is. Oh, so ED stands for emotional disability. And in order to receive an emotional disability, you have to have um, something in the DSM-5 that would suggest uh, that you just have a, uh, no, that's all we have. Um, you have, you, it, you're unable to regulate your emotions. Okay. Um, so your mood may, so you may have just. Mood dysregulation. <laughs> Go ahead, finish it. <laughs> So mood see, dysregulation. Uh, <laughs> the interview yeah. was originally booked for Cynthia, right? Right. And, and then I brought Cynthia in my partner. Like, oh, I don't think I can do it by myself. Oh, that's not can right. I bring somebody? Now she's not letting her finish her sentences. See how folks do? You see how folks do? 
<laughs> right. So let her have it. No, no, you go ahead. Go, go ahead. No. You're in the ED topic. No. I came no. for other stuff. You, you was in the ED world. <laughs> go ahead. Finish it. See, I, I'm not in the ED world. See, I'm <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let me let me give you my next question then. <laughs> Look, they like don't do that to me. Right? Don't do that when I get up here. Okay. <laughs> in the present moment right now she's all over the place yeah, just thinking you know maybe now some corporations and some government agencies need to have exactly psychotherapists on staff because i can think of some co-workers that <laughs> oh yes we have a lot of adults who have Hun. been undiagnosed yeah. mm -hmm. a lot of adults who are undiagnosed mm -hmm. cynthia being one of them <laughs> self-diagnosis <laughs> We are all on some kind of spectrum, Anita. Okay, yeah. if we, right. If we if we look at we it as a universal, we all have a process, we do. right? We all have a. So what's been the best client? What's been the the best story that you've ever seen turn up? Okay, so I had a young lady who um, came to us. Uh, she was the um, six out of ten um, single mom. Okay. Came to our school because she set somebody else's hair on fire. Um, and mm, that's not funny. But that's how they get to my school. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, and this young lady, we went from poor self-esteem, um, hygiene, mm -hmm. just um, sexually inappropriate, running away from home, just hanging out in trap houses, doing whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Fast forward, after working with me for several years, this young lady has transitioned back to her regular high school. She's a wow. senior this year. She's graduating. Wow. Um, she came back to visit. So Queen um, was able to do the Metro on her mm -hmm. own, was reading a self-help book on the train. <laughs> I said, you not on your phone? She was like, no, my battery was dead, so I decided to read a book instead. Go, girl. Um, but was able to articulate that yeah. this coming to me, I was the first person that really believed in her. Mm. Okay. And she was able to see that she had yeah. some self-worth. Mm. Prior to that, she had no self-worth. She didn't under, she didn't believe in herself. Right. And so, and struggling because she was six out of eight girls yeah. and mom was working and doing the best mm. she could to keep, you know, things in place, understanding yeah. that she wasn't being abandoned by her mother, but yeah. now can have that relationship and understand the hard work that her mother did. Mom was struggling to just do food, clothing, and shelter. Exactly, mm -hmm. yeah. exactly. Should we, so. should we ask her? Just sure, I go think ahead. so, right? Yeah, I think, I think, I think, so. think you can participate. I can. <laughs> you control your I, emotions. I can control my emotions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I think, you know what, one of the things I love about what we do mm -hmm. is just being, showing, clients that there is somebody who is there in their corner and can kind of help them and believe in and them. believe in them to make those transitions and to tap into whatever it is that they need to tap into so they can live authentic and meaningful and you know intentional yeah. lives and I think that's important um, and so yeah I, I, I love what I do and so who's your best client story you are Kenya <laughs> As you can see, there is a plethora of help, whether you're in the DMV area or not. Right. There is help available. Do not ever, ever, ever think you are alone with your issue. To reach out to psychotherapist Cynthia, 
<laughs> finds her on Twitter at yeah. Talk All About It. Or if you know a child that could benefit from a session with licensed clinical social worker Kenya, it's counseling at KJ. Is at counseling KJ. At counseling KJ. Help is here for you. You are not alone. You are not the only one. You can reach out. If you also need help in crisis for an emergency, you can reach out to the National Suicide Hotline mm -hmm. at 1-800-273-TALK. Mm -hmm. That's 1-800-273-8255 because we all know sometimes you don't want to be fixed. You just want to be heard. Mm -hmm. Be sure to check out that's for where and when to see our next episode.